For this part of Organic Matters, I'm gonna give you a little bit of my side of what I think we should expect from the Interior and the Environmental Protection Agency from now through sort of the end of the year. Things have changed so much in the last year that it's it, it bears at least taking a look at it. It's been about 10 months now, and President Biden's administration is still slowly unwinding the actions of its predecessors on the nation's public lands and waters while moving forward with a climate-focused environmental agenda to curb greenhouse gases. Observers suggest numerous items that have kind of been hanging in there, languishing on the administration's to-do list, could see action this fall and winter, putting the Interior Department and the EPA back in front and center, which they were for years. The administration checked off the first of several really long-awaited decisions this past Friday when Interior Secretary Deb Haaland announced the Bureau of Land Management's headquarters will return to Washington, D.C. I don't know if you remember, they were moved out into Colorado, and a number of them either quit or were fired because they, they didn't want to leave their hometowns. Well, now they're going to bring the main office back into D.C. while using the Grand Junction, Colorado office as sort of a western substation to kind of oversee the western part of the country while restoring senior positions back in the nation's capital where they ought to be. In the coming next months, it looks like key decisions could follow on a host of other fronts, including Interior's way overdue analysis of how it will reform the oil and gas leasing program and progress on a review of the coal leasing program at the same time. Both of those had rules and regulations that were either ignored or cut out during the last administration. And the EPA is likewise set right now to roll out new draft rules on the oil, gas, and methane emissions. Finalizing its what we call clean car regulations and release its replacement for the navigable waters protection rule, which is a real mess, folks. It just it wasn't a protection rule. It was a it was a an abuse rule that was put into place. And and this is a biggie for me on top of this. Conservation proponents are still awaiting the administration's framework for calculating its progress on conserving approximately 30% of our nation's lands and water by 2030. A lot of those protections were taken away. If you remember, the previous administration actually opened up a million acres of our public property to drilling and fracking. Under the new rules that are expected, we plan on seeing the restoration of a little more than 2 million acres of public land to a pair of national monuments, the Bears Ears area of Utah. And there are several other areas across the nation that are also going to be considered for future protections. All these laws and rules originally were changed, they claim, to give more jobs to the American public, when indeed it didn't actually putting them back into the position they were in and changing, for instance, fracking laws, are actually going to create more jobs than they are going to eliminate. In other words, it's going to be a net gain of employment because we do have to have manpower to protect these properties, and we do have to have manpower if we're going to frack at all. We are for a while. We're going to be taking oil out of the ground. But let's do it the right way. Let's do it so our future generations aren't paying for the mistakes that we're making. 
For a few minutes, let me try try to summarize sort of what the EPA has in mind over the next couple of years to kind of catch up on what we've been losing, not just here in our country, unfortunately, but worldwide, things got kind of loose. Part to do, I'm sure, with the pandemic, but, but we, we just can't let that go on. It's only a one-way street if we don't do something now. EPA will take aim at climate super pollutants this fall, which incidentally are tens, or in the case of some hydrofluorocarbons, even thousands of times more powerful than carbon dioxide in the short term. Congress gave the agency a deadline for this coming Thursday, this day I'm making this show, you will hear this on the next next weekend, to finalize its plan to phase down hydrofluorocarbons, also called HFCs, which are used right now in cooling and refrigeration. Now, Everybody says, oh, that's going to cost. Actually, here we go again. It's going to make more jobs. The new refrigerants are actually more efficient, way, way less dangerous to our environment, and they're going to take 10 or 15 years to slowly phase these out in automobiles, in your home air conditioners, creating thousands of jobs in that particular industry. So it's a win-win for both the environment and, of course, the working populations. EPA's two draft rules for oil and gas methane are also under review at at this moment and is expected to be proposed in the coming weeks to the House for further consideration. The rule for new oil and gas infrastructure is going to tighten requirements for infrastructure that were in place back in 2015. And again, the previous administration canceled them. Okay, so now we're going to put those that were imposed prior to his administration back into the rules and regulations for the oil and gas companies to have to abide by. Likely changes include more frequent leak detection and repair requirements, broader application of the zero emitting equipment and best practices, and changes to venting and flaring practices. Let me step aside here just from things that I remember. I just until a few years ago, I had lived out in the Fort Davis area for a year or two, enough to really get a grip on how this whole situation was. You wouldn't believe the flares you saw every night, everywhere in that part of the country. As a matter of fact, it has been estimated by the state itself that if we just captured the amount of methane that we flare off every day in Texas only, in our own, our state, and I'm primarily a Texan, folks, although I'm up north right now for a while, then we would save enough methane, enough gas, to heat every house in the state of Texas. That's how much we gas off and burn or just open into the air just in our state. A ridiculous amount of waste. And so far, because the rules were laxed, they were allowed to just get away with it. Not to mention that methane is many, many times more dangerous to our environment than even CO2 in much smaller amounts. This proposal will apply to the overwhelming majority of U.S. oil and gas infrastructure and methane leakage. It provides guidelines for state plans to ramp down emissions, and if they don't do it, then the government itself, the federal government, will step in and assist them. It's estimated that more than a quarter of the current warming we're having is tied directly or indirectly to methane emissions. They don't stay in the atmosphere near as long as CO2 does, but they do hundreds of times more damage for the time that they're there. 
the scientists feel that it may be as much as a quarter of our warming is just from mishandling methane gases. In addition to dealing with the methane, the EPA is also aiming to finalize a clean car rule this fall that analysts say will be key to achieving the goal of decarbonizing the transportation sector by the year 2050. I said methane's bad, it is, but transportation is the single largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States, and passenger vehicles actually account for the bulk of that pollution. The EPA released their long-awaited car rule last month, it's a two-pronged approach for slashing carbon pollution and spurring widespread adoption of electric vehicles. The second prong sets a target of a 50% EV sales by this decade's end. Battery electric vehicles currently account for only 3 or 4% of the sales. So we've got a ways to go, but they're going to make it attractive with tax discounts and the cars are getting better and more efficient and less expensive all the time. The EPA is also poised to release a highly anticipated proposal under the Clean Water Act that will determine the fate of streams and wetlands across the whole nation. That rule was changed. It was originally in place, again, from about 2015 to the last administration. The agency is crafting a replacement for the Navigable Waters Protection Act that was put in place by the Trump administration, which was halted after a district judge in Arizona found the Trump-era rule was too harmful to our waterways and our streams to the point that a district judge in Arizona uh, decided that it could never be put in place. It was too dangerous for our waterways. So that will be replaced again probably by a rewrite of the older Clean Water Act that we lived by for years. In other words, what the EPA is actually doing said that the, they're really, they're going to call it the new rule, but we will actually restore the 2015 protections that were working pretty doggone well, and the excuse by the previous administration was it was costing us too much. Well, indeed, they were even letting mercury go back into the Mississippi River, and they still are until this rule gets changed back. So it just wasn't worth the danger to our environment. And finally, I do want to bring this up because it's closest to my heart. The Endangered Species Act rulebook is going to get a thorough scrubbing and rebuild through the Fish and Wildlife Services. It was totally gutted during the last administration as far as protection of our wildlife. So it's going to be rewritten to revise policies that were, again, set in place during the Trump administration. So even though I always tell you I don't want to get political, if we're going to talk about the environment, if we're going to talk about the weather, all that is, is now political. That didn't used to be. It didn't used to be one side or the other, depending on what side you were on is how you felt about the environment. The environment is for all of us and needs to be protected by all of us. We can't take, for instance, the ideal one was the lowering of the quality of our waterways. They just decided not to take care, they just eliminate those rules. And immediately when they did and started checking the ideal one that I happen to know about, the ideal situation was the Mississippi River. The difference in the quality of that river flowing down into the Gulf of Mexico, literally, usually you think it takes time for this stuff, literally changed within the first quarter or half a year after they relaxed the rules, the uh, the 
industrial complex up and down that river just, hey, if we don't have to do it, we're not going to do it. Well, that's not looking down the road, folks. That's typical politics where they're looking two years down the road for a vote, not 20 years down the road for my grandsons and their children. So anyway, I can, I can beat this horses all day long. But the good news is there's some responsibility here now for down the road, not just for tomorrow. How much money can we see? How much we can make in the short term? So hope I didn't beat it too much up, but I think it's time that, that all of us, and I'm getting more and more hits every week, but all of us have to consider the rest of the world, not just the little tiny microhabitat that we might be in at the time. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Organic Matters.